0: This week on Heritage Bible Radio, we complete our approximate 18-month study through the book of Revelation. This is truly the final chapter of redemptive history. Here at the end, the question is, how should this impact your life from now until the end? Well, let's let Pastor Jim get right into it with today's portion of the message entitled Amen, Come, Lord Jesus. Today, I invite you to join me at Revelation chapter 22, that's the last chapter, verses 10 through 21, that's the last 12 verses of the last chapter. Have you ever in your lifetime peeked at the last chapter of a book to see how it ends? Maybe you want to read the end to see if you want to go through what it takes to get there you don't like sad endings, maybe you want to know that it turns out well. Or if it's a non-fiction book, maybe you might want to read the summary so you can understand better where the logic of the rest of the book is headed. Well, no matter what part of your Bible you might be reading on your own these days, or at any given time for that matter, You should always know how it ends. And the Bible ends with the invitation. One of many, but this one with the exclamation point on it, because it is the end. It is an invitation to enjoy the blessings that all of God's Word makes available to you in Jesus Christ. That's kind of strange coming to the end of the book of Revelation. I feel like we should just be able to turn the knob and swing open the door and walk into heaven when we've gotten here. But we can't. Not yet. We still need to live by faith. Now, as we have studied the book of Genesis to anchor ourselves on the foundation, and then move to the book of Revelation to understand our great hope, I wanted you to understand that everything else you read and learn and understand needs to fit within these bookends. So let's quickly, in just a couple of minutes, for one last time, review some of the essentials of the book of Revelation. If you don't know these things by heart, you need to go back and read and reread and reread and reread again over and over until you understand because you need to know how it ends in order to live between now and the end. The book of Revelation has an inspired outline. I'm tempted to have you say the reference right out loud, but that could be embarrassing for someone. It is chapter 1 verse 19. John was told, write therefore, and here's the three-point outline of the book of Revelation, the things which you have seen and, secondly, the things which are and, finally, and the things which shall take place after these things. The things which you have seen is the vision of the glorified Christ that John saw and that he wrote about in chapter 1. Chapter 1 is the first division of the book of Revelation. The things which are, that's the contents of chapters 2 and 3, which is seven letters that Jesus dictated to seven actual churches, each of which had sent a visitor, a representative to John, while he was in exile on the island of Patmos. That's the, condition of the That reflects the condition of the churches in John's day in Asia Minor. So the second section of the book is chapters 2 and 3. The things which shall take place after these things is the rest of the book. Chapters 4 through 22. Now, my composition teacher would have flunked me if I proposed an outline that had one chapter, two chapters, and then uh, 19 chapters as the three parts. They'd say that outline isn't balanced. Well, this outline is not balanced. It's just inspired. It's just perfect. That's all. Chapters four and five get us started. They are in the throne room of heaven, where you are introduced to this incredible scene where you meet God the Father, described as the one who sits on the throne. You meet the lamb who was slain, who is of course, you know, of course Jesus Christ, and some really fantastic angels described as the four living creatures and the 24 elders. The stage then is set for the rest of the book when this Lamb steps forward and takes a scroll from the hand of the Father who is on the throne, and the Lamb is the only one deemed worthy to break the seven seals on this scroll and reveal its contents. The scroll was written on front and back in the matter of a title deed, and in the manner of a title deed, I should say, from that culture, that time of uh, of history, and it was be uh, written on, rolled up part way, sealed, uh, written on more, rolled up a little further, and sealed, so that you would break the seals and progressively reveal the contents of the scroll. The contents unfold in three series of judgments. Breaking the first six seals reveals a series of six devastating judgments on earth. The first four of them are called the horsemen of the apocalypse because they're all introduced with a vision of a rider on a horse. But there are six that bring six devastating judgments on earth which take about three and a half years to unfold. Breaking the seventh seal reveals seven angels, each with a trumpet. Those angels blowing those seven trumpets trigger the next series of judgments. And when you get to the seventh trumpet of the seventh angel, that unveils seven more angels, these each having a bowl of the wrath of God to pour out on the earth. The trumpets take up most of the next three and a half years after the seals and the bowls of wrath come in pretty rapid succession. They round out the seven years predicted for the end times in Daniel seven uh, sorry in, in Daniel nine twenty seven. We usually refer to that time as the tribulation or the seventieth week of Daniel. Along the way, there are several places here in the book of Revelation in which we are not given just those three series of judgments. We are also given background information, sort of like sidebar articles that you have in your newspaper that explain what's going on. And these answer questions like, Well, with all of this wrath and with all of this unbelief and with all of this hostility toward God and with all of this rebellion and with Satan having his man in control and with the whole world system being totally dominated by Him, who will be saved? Will anyone be saved? And there's a wonderful, glorious answer. Yes. Starting with, 144,000 Jews and then an innumerable multitude from all of the other peoples and tongues and tribes and nations on the earth. And what about Israel? Is there a future for Israel? And the answer is a resounding yes and the book of Revelation explains. We're given the background of Satan and his hatred for Israel and for the church and for everything to do with God and His Son Christ. And what happens to this whole world system and all of world commerce and world government? And what about world religion? And the answers to those questions are given to us along the way. and That all builds up to chapter 19. In chapter 19, Jesus returns. The battle of Armageddon is fought and the world leader that we call usually Antichrist And his religious sidekick, whom we usually call the false prophet, are the first two occupants dispatched to the lake of fire. Then in chapter 20, Jesus, having returned in glory, reigns on earth for a thousand years, during which time we who love Him now reign with Him in some way, not explained to us, but wonderful, I'm sure, And during that thousand years, Satan is bound in a prison and he is not allowed to deceive anyone on earth. During and after that thousand years, I should say, Satan is released for a short time. He's allowed to muster one final rebellion. And the battle that is described there as the battle of Gog and Magog, using terminology from back in Ezekiel, That battle is ended in a moment when fire comes down from heaven and devours all of the enemies of Christ. Now, woven into that chapter is sort of um, an implicit lesson about just how messed up you are in your sin. Your innate wickedness, because think about this. Christ will be present on earth physically in glory, ruling with a rod of iron. There will be, there will be no rebellion allowed. And yet, by the end of that thousand years, among people who are born during that thousand years, and there will be multiplied billions born, a large army of rebels who reject Christ will be gathered. In other words, learn the lesson. You don't need the devil to make you wicked. You were conceived in sin. You were born in sin. You have the flesh. With no devil present, with Christ present in glory, there will still be rebellion. It will be squashed and God will get the glory. And truly, there will be multiplied rebellion. Millions, untold millions, who will be added to the ranks of those who will be in heaven during that time. But that last rebellion teaches us the great lesson. If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program.